Alright, Oilers fans, we knew this day would come. We hoped it wouldn't be in the second episode, but the Edmonton Oilers lost today to the Calgary Flames. My name is Dennis. I'll be your host with my lovely co-host here, Zach. How's it going, Dennis? Not doing very well. It's it's one of those nights. I mean, what can you say? We mentioned it last time. We had a real slow start. Once again, this this whole entire first period was almost a write-off. There's just something about this team. I don't know if it if it's the playoff push really affecting how they're starting in regular season games. I don't know if it's just having the crowd really put them in a in a nervous mood. But they have some to fix point. it. Yeah, you know, well, at some point we're gonna have to stop blaming the playoff run. It can't be game forty one and we say, well, you know, they were at the Western Conference Finals last year. They're tired. It, it, it's got to be that there is something wrong with the way the Oilers starts. It's been like this with McClellan, with uh, Tippett, with Hitchcock. It, it's been like this. They they always get off to slow starts. It doesn't matter if it's Talbot, Koskinen, uh, Smith. They let in the, the, the opposition will have three shots on goal, and they'll have two goals. I don't know what it is. I don't know. They've changed personnel, everything. But for some reason, whenever the Oilers start a game, they start down. I don't know why they show up to every single game with what looks to be no energy. I, and it, it makes me come into this, this broadcast. I feel like I have as much energy as the Oilers started the game with. I'm just just so disappointed in the effort. You you cannot show up every game. You The, the Oilers are on paper and have put themselves in a position to – to be one of the best teams in the NHL, a top five team. You cannot win every game. You, you can't go into a game and put yourself three, down 3-1. Three, I don't care if you're the 1988 Edmonton Oilers. You are not going to overcome that deficit. It, it is, it's atrocious. And then the, the most frustrating part of all of it is you, is you end up um, – is you end up um, – what was I going to say? It's, Robert's message. It's absolutely yeah. true. Like, there's – there's something to be said about the fact that we're here playing a full 60-minute game in the playoffs, but the moment it reaches the regular season, I mean, this happened so many times during the regular season last uh, during the regular season last year, that it's, they they wanna, just omit 20 seconds or 20 minutes. I don't want to cut you off, but and and I want to get into the game with you, but threw me off. I just you just got to remember going into the game. I'm not sure you noticed on the there was a there was a prop that after the first period the Oilers were plus five forty to come into the game, uh, so we just we got to get that ad, ad reading for friends of sports interaction. So if you want, I can just go ahead and pull it up here and do it. Um, but yeah, guys, if you want to bet, you can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Football is back, baseball playoffs, and the hockey season underway. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SCPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SCPN. Ontario only, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Now, let's get into the game. Let's break it down. I just don't <sighs> want to forget to do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, thanks to our friends at Sports Interaction. I know it's uh, it's going to be a real downer of, a, of an episode today. So, let's get right into it. Mm -hmm. First, well, what I, First period. Break it down for us. The first period was the, that was the most disappointing part. The, the ten minutes into the game, 
The Oilers are down 4-1. You're pulling Jack Campbell, your brand-new goalie. You just signed to a 5-5 contract. Now, not all of those goals were Campbell's fault. There wasn't a goal. Like, again, I'm going to go back to last season. Everyone knows. Everyone watched the Oilers games. You, Everyone knows the goals where you just – it infuriates you. You know the goalie should have had it. They go through the five-hole, Smith's down on his on his stomach. Hoskinen, you know, goes down to two legs wow. on his knees, even though he's 6-6. Six, six, six. There was no goal that was scored on Jack Campbell that I think was necessarily Jack Campbell's fault. I 100% what, agree. But what stands out to me, it's I don't know if it's the Zamboni driver or whoever's sharpening the defenseman's skate, but Kadri is breaking in in the you know five minutes in, and I, I I don't know what's going on. He's six feet away from Brett Kulak, and I don't know if he trips over the ghost of Chris Russell or what happened. Just starfished on the middle of the ice. Kulak goes flying and Kadri gets a, you know, a semi break. Cause I think it was Barry was his partner at the time. He's 20 feet away and Barry's slow as molasses and he can't do anything. And Campbell's hung out to dry. You know what? I, I actually think even though that's a poignant point on that play, I actually think Kulak was one of our better defensemen in the first period. When you look at Ryan Murray was up in front of the, like point next to the two dots. I don't know what he was doing up there on some of these plays. Uh, the nurse was sneaking up on the ice instead of helping out being a safety measure on the breakout. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, uh, Barry's just slow. He doesn't, he doesn't have the legs on him. And I think it's, it's hard to, to fault Bouchard. We know what type of player he is, but is that is that on the coaching? It, why did Woodcroft okay, put Murray and Bouchard well, together on the first pair or on the clearly third know. pair? And the, they were on the ice for three goals against Murray. Bouchard does not work. Bouchard has all the potential in the world. The thing with Bouchard is on defense, he's someone who needs to impose himself physically. He's six two. He's a big guy. He needs to play like that in defensive zone. You see it on the offensive zone at the end of the game in the third period. He had a play where he walked the blue line and got a shot off the puck was on edge, so it went right into Bludar's chest. But Bouchard has all the potential in the world to be a, what I think is Dougie Hamilton 2.0. He's playing way too passive right now. I'm, I'm not sure if he's nervous. I don't know what it is. I don't know why he's playing like that, but something needs to change. And when he's with someone, I, when they switched up the pairings later in the game and uh, Bouchard was placed with Nurse, I, I thought Bouchard actually played a lot better. And even Nurse did. Nurse is the, another one who can kind of get all over the place. And you kind of see that not lack of defensive awareness because he is a fantastic defenseman, but Nurse has these like these plays where he just he, it almost is like he forgets where he is or forgets what he's doing. He likes to cheat up on offense a little bit, right? He likes to sneak up into a little bit of empty ice, and it's great when the play works out and it's a beautiful breakout. But when you have those sort of throwback attempts and no one's there for the puck, it ends up in, what was it? There were 19 turnovers in this game. Just just uh, off of no no mistakes, unforced error, just plain giveaways. Some of them were it, right yeah. down the center of the ice. And and it wasn't there it wasn't like it was Brad Malone or Dylan Holloway in his second game in terms of it was Leon, it was Connor, it was Darnell, it was the best players were constantly like they they're you know, I we've we've all heard Connor say he's not going to be on for 82 games of the year. A lot of the times when he's not on, he'll he's still Connor McDavid and he'll go down in the third period on one rush because that's all he needs and he'll score a fantastic goal. But this was one of those few games, even though he scored again, where you can tell Connor did not have it tonight. And it's as weird as that is to say, the, the, the Oilers' best players weren't playing up to the level they could be. And that is ultimately one of the reasons why they lost the game. 
on top of it, obviously, what it all comes down to, I think, like, again, they're human. And they're not going to be perfect every single game. And what I was saying before we, when we started the show is what sucks the most is you see the effort in the final minute of the game. When they would come within inches, Drysaddle shoots the backhand over the net. Vladar starfish out. Because before that play, what I was going to say is I, I know they were on the broadcast talking about how fantastic Vladar was. I, I think... I could count the number of saves where Vladar really had to, like, you know, slide in, go out of position, like, make a really good save on one hand. He, the Oilers didn't test him whatsoever. That was five on five again. They were atrocious for the first 30 minutes of the game. Too many I, clean looks. Too many the, clean looks for Vladar. Uh, what I wrote down, like, and this is another thing we can get into, but what I wrote down, the best line five on five was Nuge, Hyman, Pugliarvi when they were put together. And that says a lot. If that's your best line, you are not going to win many hockey games. The Oilers coach, they need, I don't know who runs Rogers Place Security, but whatever, the, I, they need to make sure they revoked uh, Dave Tippett's parking pass. And his, his, uh, <laughs> the ghost. His, his pass. Because the spirit it, of Dave Tippett. This is so reminiscent of how a game goes that is coached by Dave Tippett. They get down in a hole. They, they immediately back to the. Immediately back to the nuclear option. And so we're only get, David and Drysad all out there together. It, it's it's like crap for coaches. I don't understand why they do it. They get one taste and they can't stop. It started with McClellan in 16-17 against in the playoffs against uh, the Sharks and the Ducks. That's when McDavid and Drysad were first put together, right? We knew that go, then going into the next season. Uh, I think it was Hitchcock, whatever, tip it, it doesn't matter. They they stop. They they try to separate. The Oilers are at their best when they have one, two, and honestly, Nugent Hopkins at center on the third line. They need to have Robbie running three centers consistently. And coaches they see the magic that McDavid and Drysdale can create uh, to get when they're together. So they can so they start to do it a little bit, and it works for them. And then all of a sudden, Woodcroft now is pulling the Dave Tippett. Every time they're down, eight minutes into the game, he's going to McDry. That cannot work, especially against a team one through six like the Flames. That okay you're not you're out against Uyghur and Tanov okay you're putting out against Anderson and Hannafin you're just you're putting all your offense into one place where it's not gonna like it's not you have less chances to make it work spread it out Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think this is one of the strangest things because you brought up a great point McDry wasn't working he tried what he tried it with with Kane as a trio tried it with Hyman as a trio and it just wasn't clicking I thought the the third line of Fogel, McLeod, and Yamamoto, they did great in the second and third mm. period. More yeah. ozone time than D-zone time. That's all you need out of a third line, really. Uh, yeah. Of course, Cloud got a great goal. I mean, everyone loves to see one of the young guys score. But at the same time, it's it's dependent on reading the situation, reading the game. And when your your young players, your third, your fourth line, even it wasn't too bad. They weren't staple to the bench. They the, played the about fourth, 10 the, minutes each. The problem with the fourth line again is the fourth line was on for a goal against. And all the Oilers need is for their fourth line to be 50, have a 50% goals for goals percentage. As long as they keep their heads above water when McDavid and Drassel are off the ice, they're going to win a lot of games. But when you have a fourth line, and for a long time, the Oilers had a third line too that was leaking goals like this. You can't have a, thir- a fourth line that goes on and gives up goals. They need to be zero zeros. It doesn't matter if they don't score, but shut the other team down. Play boring hockey. Look at the third period. Look at what Calgary did. Calgary doesn't matter. The Oilers had the puck, but they were for the last ten minutes. But they were always on the outside. They had no chances. It was nothing. Every time, even McDavid and Drysdale, they had the puck. There was a Calgary stick in the lane. Exactly. There, there was always something. It, it just it can't work like this. You got to go back. You got to stick to your guns, even if you're down. I want to see, okay, you know what? Instead of putting McDavid, Dressel, Kane, McDavid, Dressel, Hammond, 
Why don't you swap Hyman and Pooley-Arvey? Why don't you try Holloway up there for sure? we got to spread it out because against a team like the Flames, this is not a recipe for success. Uh, it's, Sutter, oh, oh, it's, sorry, sorry. It seemed to me that there was almost a, a pre-game game plan going into it. We're going to play them hard. We're going to play the body. The jump on the first shift, I, I put a really cold take out there that there would be a line brawl on the first shift. It didn't come to happen, but boy, Yamamoto and Kane, when they were on the ice together, they laid the body hard. That They showed so much confidence playing the puck, playing the body, but as soon as it didn't work, as soon as we got behind by a goal or two, Immediately back to the skill-based game. Immediately back to McDavid Dreisaitl. And it just didn't work against this Flames team. No, they're just abandoning their, they abandon their systems. Like, and I know a big, a big point of emphasis when uh, Woodcroft came in last year with Tippett was the, was the denials of the blue line and the gap control and the zone entries. Uh, and, and it looks to me this year that they're just backing in again. It's back to the old thing where they're just backing right up to the net. There's no stopping at the blue line, trying to, trying to poke the puck away and get a strip and go the other way. It, it, they're just playing way too passive. There's no physicality in their game. There's nothing. I'm, it, it, tonight was really, really disappointing, and it's a huge red flag going forward because once it's a fluke, twice we're starting to see a trend. It's going to be really interesting to see against Buffalo how they come out, right? Because yeah. this is Buffalo games like Buffalo, Detroit. They've always been trap games for the Oilers, right? Sorry, they, they, the Oilers have a tendency to play down to the level of their opponents, and mm -hmm. I don't think that they did that today for the Flames, but they definitely did that for the Canucks. When they mm -hmm. played Game One, they they went down 0 and three against a, a decent Canucks team, but on paper, it's nowhere near the Oilers lineup. And you're right; I'm absolutely worried about the upcoming game against Buffalo. On schedule, that's a game that we should win. But at the same time, the Oilers just have this history of letting bad teams beat them. And of course, mm -hmm. they do field NHL players. We know that anything's possible. But it's inexcusable for a team that's this talented, that has the support that it does, to play this poorly. Yeah, hopefully it's a wake-up call coming in. And, and, and I would make changes going forward. One person that I would absolutely take out of the lineup is Ryan Murray. I know he had an assist on the McLeod goal. And I know we, I caught, like me, I was loving Ryan Murray last podcast. When he did that, that assist on the McLeod goal, amazing. But that's not really where you want your defenseman to be. You want your defenseman to be, especially if he's paired with Bouchard, you want him to be the more defensively responsible one. As a veteran, that's what you want out of Ryan Murray. Exactly. And, 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 and I noticed it once in the first period, or I noticed it twice in the first period and once in the second period, Ryan Murray would find himself in front of the, I'd be like, who's 28? Cause I, cause in my head, I'm like, why is he in front of, uh, of, of Dan Vladar? What is he doing there? And you know, how when the Oilers defense, when they go up, they're on a rush, they kind of peel off when the puck goes back and they get back in position. He wasn't moving anywhere. And I'm in my head, I'm like yelling. I'm like, what are you doing? The Flames have multiple chances because I noticed the first time McLeod had to cover him, and I think even Jesse was covering for him on another one. Yeah. And both times, Backlund ended up walking uh, the Oilers forward because Murray was not anywhere close to being in position. He got one goal, but he was on for three, so that's a negative two. Like, it, you bring up a fantastic point, and I don't know if you if you saw this, but during the uh, power play, the the four on four power play, I believe it was. Uh, sorry, no, the four on four three on power play. Yeah. Barry was the net front presence. I don't know why he was up there. He's yeah, not I, a big body. I, I he doesn't that, have the that hands. Was, that was another thing I noticed. It made no sense. Tyson Barry, man, 
I tried to compliment it. I tried to be nice in our first podcast. And I don't want to have a whipping boy who I just go at 24-7. But I'm sorry. Tyson Berry is slow as molasses. You have him pegged in a role that's ideal for Evan Bouchard. Because you have Tyson Berry on your roster, you're putting Bouchard in a position that he shouldn't be in, right? You need a defenseman there that is just steady defensively, that isn't going to make stupid errors. It's more fleet of foot. Tyson Berry is horrible at holding the blue line. We saw it again with the empty net or before the empty net, Bouchard make a play to hold the blue line. Barry, it's constantly up. And then before that, even on the power play, Tyson Barry, it was, I think it was a power play in the third period with a, with 11 minutes left. Tyson Barry looks off Connor McDavid and decides, you know what? I'm going to skate it up myself. Waste 50 seconds, waste the entire first unit shift. And we've just wasted uh, a chance to tie the game with McDavid on the ice because Tyson Berry thought he was gonna he was gonna drive in. You, we, we need to see the switch with Bouchard. He can hold the zone better. Exactly. There will be more like when the when McDavid or Drysdale wins the draw on the power play back to Berry and Berry's just he just misses it. Like you know who never you know who never did that Oscar Clefbaum. Clef- Fantastic. If we had Clefbaum still, I mean th- this is one of the this is one of the situations where if we still had Clefbaum, it would almost be an embarrassment of riches. But uh, just a quick point, I wanted to bring it out to the chat. Alexander and MGD both uh, proposed bringing Nimalainen out here. What do you think about that? See, for me, and and I think me, I I would play Nimalainen at some point. I think it kind of is matchup dependent with Nimalainen. Like a game like tonight, tonight Nimalainen would have been perfect and he fits the game against the Flames. This, he is a player that we want to have in the lineup against the Flames because you don't want Nurse doing any of that hard physical physical stuff, you know, to an extent because he is your number one defenseman. You don't want him in the box. But Nimalainen is a heavy hitter. He does stuff. He has an attribute that no other Oilers defenseman has. And I think he would have been helpful in this game. I do think, though, that Philip Broberg will, needs a chance, and I think he will get a chance uh, next game. I think Devin Shore was called back up. I, I could see them sending him down and them playing Philip Broberg. Yeah, they're they just, keep, you know, they keep switching Shore and Broberg. I, I mean, once the AHL season starts, you got to expect that they're not going to keep playing that game. But mm-hmm. as honestly, in the depth chart, I think for me, Nimalainen's stock has raised higher than Roberg's. I don't know if it's because of the draft pedigree, it's because of Clefbaum and what we saw there that we're expecting a little bit more out of Broberg. It's not unreasonable to expect Broberg to be a third pairing defenseman, but at this point, I would rather have Nimalainen even on a day, on a nightly basis. I feel like Nimalainen brings an element to the game that the Oilers do lack, that physicality, and he hasn't he has been caught out at certain times but this is where you have that veteran partner and this is where you hope that your pairings are going to be well constructed well, where Nimalainen does Nimalainen excels is in his defensive game. Where Nimalainen struggles is where he with transitioning the puck and handling the puck and actually making plays on offense. Right? Exactly, and that's obviously where Philip Broberg would be better. So that's why I do think it would be because uh, uh, opposition dependent. So against Buffalo, I would tend to lean towards playing Philip Broberg. I also do think, and I saw someone, I think it was Jason Greger, made this point er, earlier this week on one on the Daily Faceoff show. Um, Oscar Clefbaum, when he was Philip Broberg's age. He was had already played more games in the AHL and he was called up to the NHL. And at the beginning of the season, after training camp, they sent him back down to the AHL at the same age, right? And we and people were at the at the time complaining about Clefbaum's production in the AHL. He's a bust, he's not going to be very good. So, and, and they have followed very similar career trajectories. So, yes, 
we're getting to the point where the players around him in the draft order are starting to make their impacts felt on the known, NHL yeah. teams. Exactly. And I do think it is reasonable to expect that by the end of the year, we will see whether we will get to see a taste of Philip Broberg, whether it is he's, you know, who we thought he was or it's, he's a, you know, a third pairing defenseman. But I do think there is a player there. I know the issue with Philip Broberg in the preseason was similar to the nurse issue where it's just defensive awareness and like knowing where to go in the defensive zone and being just stronger on, on the back check and whatnot. But that's stuff that's coachable and correctable. And, um, I, I think that Philip Broberg, it would be useful down the line. I think it's someone of course of his drafts off. I think they do need to just play him similar to Dylan Holloway. Cause we've seen in the last, this, these two games, even tonight, he hasn't been as, even when he's had the puck, he's not near as noticeable as he was in the preseason. Totally to be expected. I'm not right. bragging on the guy. We're not I calling him Tyratty yet. <laughs> no, exactly. I, I love him. I think he's going to be fantastic. I, I know he's going to be fantastic in the NHL. It takes time. Um, but I do think there's clearly some growing pains there. And I agree. I absolutely agree that Broberg has, you know, the, the skill level to get there and it's coming, but at the current moment, I just wanted to clarify at the current moment, I think Nemo Linen is just going to be a better call up. And when I mentioned that he might need a veteran presence, that's what I meant when he terms of, of defensive positioning he has that tendency to go for the big hit to try and press to try and pinch and your con my concern is that if he's with another defenseman that you know similar to like how murray played today that just loves to go up there that stifles both his skill set as well as leads to probably bad breakaways um mm -hmm. when it comes down to you know when it comes down to nemo linen's game I would like to see him play with a little bit more veteran of a presence, someone who knows someone who knows not to take a a line change when the puck is coming across the the blue line. And I I that's the last time I'm going to rag on it cuz CC actually I feel like did better afterwards. But that's mm -hmm. just the type of undisciplined defensive game that we've had for both la the first period last game and the first period this game. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's it's evident that the defense won't stay the same, whether it's the pairs changing, which they clearly have to. We can't have um, I think it's we cannot have Murray Bouchard. CC needs to be spread out because I did think CC did have a solid game. He had those two blocks early in the game when the Oilers were on the PK when Skinner was just going absolutely bonkers when CC even saved some goals too. I thought he played relatively solid. He wasn't one of my big concerns. But again, we shouldn't rag on the Oilers the entire. I know it was a horrible game and whatnot, but I, I do want to the positive bright spot. But for me, the number one bright spot. Well, I guess it comes with a caveat because it is tied directly to a negative in the performance of Jack Campbell, and we would like a stop. But I think we both agreed that not his. Fault it, it's entirely. not Campbell's fault, but you're right. It's but, it's Stuart Skinner. Mm -hmm. The play of Stuart Skinner was absolutely phenomenal tonight. He, I did not have Stuart Skinner stealing the starting job on my bingo card this early in the season. What an, what an, what an, you know, just awesome revelation for this team. And honestly, I mentioned during the last uh, podcast that St I would go with Stu for this game because Stu not only has the experience of a battle of Alberta, it seems like he's, he's someone who's competing for that one a job right i think from today's play i i elevated him from a backup to a 1b i think mm -hmm. there's in the beginning people were saying that we should have about 20 games for him i think he he deserves 30 35 games of stewart skin mm -hmm. oh 
easily. I agree. I would start him next game against Buffalo and I would just keep it rolling. You, you are balancing the mental battle of Jack Campbell. Like you don't want him just down on himself for too, too long of a period of time. Cause again, you did give him that contract and you're essentially stuck with him. So we, we want to go back to Jack Campbell. We want to show our faith in him, but for the time being, I'm Stuart Skinner didn't allow a goal. He played fantastic. He, the flames had a power play. I want to say it was late or early in the third where Stuart Skinner stood on his head. He robbed the Flames on four or five chances, right? Any other goalie, like in the NHL, the, there's at least one goal there. I, I, There were some chances the Flames did shoot wide and whatnot, um, but Stuart Skinner, for the most part, was fan, for the entire part, was fantastic. Honestly, the first thing that I thought of when I saw Skinner making those plays was the Thanos meme where he says, mm-hmm. fine, I'll do it myself. Because it seemed like none of the defensemen were helping him out. He had to just freeze pucks that normally would be kept alive. But at the same time, he was up for the challenge. And he played for a solid, I mean, what was it, 40-something minutes? 50, yeah. 50 minutes? Like, honestly, like he, Stuart Skinner is better than people give him credit for. And I'm tired of... <laughs> I'm tired of people across the NHL ragging on the Oilers' goalie prospects. We, we've had that trouble developing, but I think that Stuart Skinner is the answer in the long term. Yes, we've signed Campbell to five years, but at the same time, I think that that, that leadership core, we might have Campbell be just a wholesome Mike Smith to a later 1A Stuart Skinner. Well, you're going to see that transition, I think, over the period of his contract, maybe even earlier than we thought of, you know, Campbell shifting to the backup and Stuart Skinner taking the reins and going forward. I'm just going to go to a question from insider Jay Money in the chat where he said, what do you guys think of the atmosphere of the BOA without players like Chuck and Cassian? So honestly, I thought the physicality in the beginning was there, but it seemed like both Calgary and Edmonton eventually stopped it. Calgary, it seems like, because that's not the game that they wanted to play, unless their players like Lucic were on the ice, unless they had Kadri on the ice. But when they had their skilled players, when they had the Huberto out there, they were trying to play a skill game. Edmonton, on the other hand, were trying to play that physical game in the beginning, and as soon as it just didn't work, as soon as they had a little bit of an issue, I think Woody maybe scrambled the lines way too soon, maybe changed the game plan way too soon because the physicality afterwards was a lot less body checking and a lot more sticks, a lot more getting into the lane. And it's just a different play style from when they first began that game. Yeah, well, I think a lot of Calgary's physicality throughout the entire game came in the form of like their defensive play, right? It wasn't necessarily going out of their way like a Chuck, you know, running lanes to slam Cassian and knock his helmet and make everyone go flying. And My God, Kachuk did that today. Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. ran someone today. Exactly. And I'm not missing that because Cassian's gone. So, you know, that was probably going to be dry settle he was going to injure. So, you know, again, I think the form of the, the Flames physicality, you could see it was their play on the boards when the Oilers had it. They were holding them the outside. It was sticks. It was checking. It was cross-checking. And the Flames did. Like, I found myself way more this game than last game screaming at the TV like, come on. Like, you missed a trip. You missed five trips. The Flames are hauling and dragging. Every time dry settle has the puck in the zone, he's trying to fend off the Flames. There's Flames water skiing off of him, right? Like at some point, the, the Oilers need to play more physical. They they were missed. They didn't. They weren't necessarily missing that presence that Cassian had because 
Cassian, honestly, it was a lot of empty calories towards the end of his tenure in Edmonton. A lot of people thought he was giving more than he actually was. I, I noticed at the start of the game, like I think you pointed this out in the first shift, you had Yamamoto, the first couple of shifts, you had Kane come flying in off the bench and hits one of the Flames defensemen behind the net. And that's where you see like them trying to impose their physical pre- preference presence. But slowly as the game wore on, it, it just completely evaporated. And I think that did play into the hand of the Flames, right? So Absolutely. So- uh, one quick thing I do want to point out, and, and this is just a personal pet peeve, a lot of people will look at a box score and they say, all right, well, the shots were outshot X to X, but we outhit them X to X. And I mean, in this game, the Oilers outhit the Flames 39 to 36. But here's the issue. If you have hits, it means that you don't have possession of the puck. And when you don't have that possession, it means that the other team's playing their game. I would rather see a team that has pretty even hits just to maintain the physicality, but instead have greater possession metrics, be in the ozone more, and play defense through playing offense. Totally agree with you. And, and you can see it's out, it's relevant. Even like mostly Oilers' best players, their their possession metrics were way down from what they normally are today. Like I, it's shockingly the best player with the, one of the best possession metrics, the best Corsi percentage was Evander Kane. So I guess sixty percent of the time, you know, the pucks were going towards the Flames net. But uh, for the most part, like Dylan Holloway was not very good. Derek Ryan, like the fourth line was not very good. I do think they need a new look. Like if Dylan Holloway is going to be in the lineup. You can't be playing him with Malone and Ryan. You need to play him with skilled players. And again, there are going to be gaps, but we can't see Woodcroft. This is, again, and I do love Jay Woodcroft. I prefaced this last episode. I'm prefacing it again. He he can't just go away from his line so fast. It seems like a new thing. He wasn't like this last season. I kind of don't know where it came from, right? You just see the line juggling going on so much. Like, it's way too much. Like, we need some consistency. If they lose a game, fine. They were never going 82 and 0. Now, I mean, 81 and 1 is still alive, but, you you know, let's see where it goes. I'm not too sure. One thing to point out, and I noticed this last game, and I noticed it again this game. Early on, Woodcroft does have the tendency to go right back to a line if they've been scored on. That happened to the mm-hmm. third line in the first period. Immediately shows the confidence of going, hey, you know what? That was a one-time off. Go out there, try to be motivated, and try not to lose confidence in yourself. I don't know if it's something that is something that he's done before in Bakersfield, but... Yeah. I think it's a good thing for him to keep do, to keep going with, and instead of he's just scrambling the lines after um, half of a period now. It's it's something I noticed last season. Well, but last season I remember it's one of the things that actually did burn Woodcroft because I remember a line like the fourth line would score would get scored on, and or even in the playoffs it burned him, and he would put him right back out, and it would be against Calgary's first line or LA's first line, and they would go, and that's why we had a lot. There was a, a stretch of time I'm not sure you remember. I, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head where the Oilers would get. It wouldn't be one goal. It would be two goals in 40 seconds scored on them, right? Because Woodcroft was going back to that line. So it's a difficult bait game. you got to balance, right? To the, to, okay, I want to show assurance in my players, but I also, like, they allowed, like, a goal, right? Like, I don't want that to happen again because, obviously, the other team knows what worked. They knows what happened, and they're going to go and do that exact same thing, and we'll see that. So, and I get it. If it's Connor, if it's even Nuge, go ahead. Put them, Send right them back, back out, out. There. But if it's Derek, Ryan, Brad Malone, and Dylan Holloway, let's – keep them on the bench for the most part. Yeah, I think that first uh, third line that I was talking about was Nuge with Holloway and Fogel. So it, it was a decently well put line. I think Nuge actually played pretty well. I mean, he, he wasn't 
he is a 30 year old <laughs> let's put that out there i'm 30 years old sometimes my back hurts sometimes i wake up and i have a runny nose but i feel like nuge just isn't as good as he was last year i don't know if it's because the long playoff rush i know i don't want to keep using that as an excuse but he he actually played better i think this game than last game no, I agree totally. His five-on-five five play, I again, I've, I think I said this before, but I thought the best line in the game, five-on-five, five, was Pooley, Hyman, and Nuge when they were put together, which, again, says a lot about how the game went for the Oilers tonight. Uh, I think going forward, honestly, I would keep that line together. Nuge has got to be playing center, and I don't think, and I think he needs to know players on his wing. Like him and Hyman killed penalties together. They're one of the best penalty-killing candidates in the league. I would keep that pair for the most part. When you take Hyman off his wing, you start putting with Nuge with McLeod playing in a position that he's not really used to. You put him with Fogel. That's when you start to also see Nuge falter or playing Nuge on the wee, uh, wing as well. Um, I think going forward, I think Nuge is for third-line center is the way to go for sure, uh, and that and that's the way they're going to see the most wins for all right, Zach. Well, to cap off a pretty depressing game, let's go over just one thing. Something you want to talk about uninterrupted, no judgment. Go for it. All right. Well, I just going forward, I, I, I we, we kind of touched on this before, but I definitely think that um, Philip Robert is going to play in the next game. I don't, I don't know necessarily the capology of it. I don't know how it's going to work, but um, I think he's got to play in the next game. I think they're going to have to get him going. And I want to see Woodcroft keep the lines together. That's one thing that we got to test. I don't care if they're losing 8-2 to Buffalo. I don't care what, but you got to keep together. And one thing I did forget to say, this is another thing I kind of wanted to touch on before and I completely forgot. This game going into Edmonton, I said this to you before the game, I was worried about it. It felt like a trap game because Calgary had just come off thinking about this being embarrassed in their building in five games by Edmonton the entire summer. Everywhere they looked, everywhere they saw, every time they turned on their phone, their radio, their TV, they saw them. They saw that overtime goal by McDavid. I We all knew that even though Kachuk and Gaudreau weren't there, there was going to be some extra motivation, some extra fire in the Flames tonight. And I think that's something that we did see. And they came out they came out obviously very hard, scoring four goals in the first period. So I think going forward, I'm hoping that we kind of get that part out of our system. We move on from that, you know, that playoff series last year. And we can kind of transition into a new series, a new season. And uh, the Oilers can come out harder because they need to know that it's not going to be as easy as it was. Because clearly, before the game, Sutter made the decision to go with Vladar, which shocked everyone, right? I, and I, I even thought, I was like, oh, if they put Markstrom in, it's going to be cake. Six out of, I think six out of the seven times they played last year, they scored six goals on Markstrom, right? Like, I thought going forward, and I was like, oh, it shows that Sutter doesn't have confidence in Markstrom. I think if the Oilers did play Markstrom and they did score six going forward, that could have messed with Markstrom's head tremendously. So it was a risky decision by Sutter, and I honestly, I commend him for it because clearly it worked out in his favor because game over Calgary, I'm sure they're partying, and I'm sure they're buying their BOA game one rings to cap off their broadcast, but... I'm sure Audie's having a fantastic time tonight. I I hate to say it, but you know what? They got the better of us. All right, for my one thing, I want to talk about Evander Kane. Because last game, we saw the empty netter passing it off to Captain Connor so that he can get the hat trick. Kane, I think, is so well-beloved in the room, and all legal proceedings have been dropped off against him. I feel like he still gets a little too much flack from oil country. I'm not saying the guy's a martyr. I'm not saying he's perfect, but we can start laying off him. He seems like a good teammate. Doesn't seem like he's causing trouble outside off the ice. And 
honestly, everyone seems like they, they love him in that room. They gel so much with him. Connor, Leon, Yamo, everyone. But in any case, I think that's it for tonight. Zach, mm -hmm. where can they find you? They can find me at ZWheel97 on Twitter. That's wheel spelled W-H-E-E-L. And uh, yeah, Dennis, where can they find you? On Twitter, I'm Dennis Lee, Y-E-G. All Here right. We go. I just want to say goodbye to Black uh, Masquerade in the chat. It says it's 7.30 a.m. in Germany, but he's going to bed. He's going to finish the rest later. So I just want to stop, say have a good night, and hopefully you do finish the rest. It's good hearing from you. But yeah, anyways, guys. Thank you. Over and out. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, if you like the podcast, be sure to like us. Give us a comment. Give us feedback. If you don't like our faces, go ahead and check out our Spotify because we're on there as well. Next game is Tuesday against Buffalo at 7 o'clock Mountain Time. We'll see you right after that game. Bye-bye. Have a good night.